Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about training and preparing for endurance events. But first, let's do some catching up. Nicole, what's going on? Mm, happy fall. It feels like fall here. Does it feel like fall there? It does. It does. Finally, yes. Yeah, it's interesting because we had a, um, a, quote, wedding shower for one of my uh, team members on just this week, Monday and afternoon. It was stunningly gorgeous. It was like the best. I think obviously we were loving her up and celebrating her. And it was just like the bonus that it was in the 70s and just sunny and everyone was like, this beats being in the office. Like it was just so great. Um, That will probably be our last voting day of the year. And that was the 19th, I think. So yeah, I'm into, into late September, able to vote uh, very comfortably. So that was fun. Otherwise, we're just like trying to survive soccer. Um, My mom, she she loves to get snarky with me. And she's like, well, you overcommit yourselves. And I was like, well, we are in one activity right now, one, and that is soccer. And it is consuming us. Unfortunately, oh. the girls are in separate leagues. And I shouldn't say separate leagues, separate divisions. Uh, Shay's in U10 and then Piper's in U15. So we've got games for pa- Shay on Monday nights, Piper on Thursday nights, and then both have games on Saturday. So it's Saturday morning when we're recording this. We already had soccer pictures and two games this morning. So I've, I was already at the soccer field from 8 to 11. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, That's, it's insane. Why so many games? That just um, sounds like a lot. just a six-week uh, season. So it's just a fast and furious six weeks. I think probably because it gets super cold here, um, yeah. you know, through the fall. So just trying to uh, survive soccer. Uh, last weekend was a good friend from hockey. Um, I'm friends with both he and his wife. It was their wedding. And uh, the invitation said, uh, attire, whatevs. That's what it said, whatevs. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man. And we have this hockey joke about pineapples. And do you do you know what an upside down pineapple insinuates or infers? Yeah, I do. Okay. Swingers. Yeah. All right. So that's like a hockey joke. And as soon as I saw attire whatevs, I was like, oh, y'all going to regret this. So Amazon hooked me up with this incredibly obnoxious. It was actually super cute, like a, a halter, um, it, almost like a 60s style dress, like just fitted through the waist and then a big skirt. But it had yeah. like authentic, like like real looking pineapples all over it. And some were upside down. And so I roll up to the wedding and Mark was out of town. He had a guy's weekend in Indy. So it was just me and um, like my hockey friends. Who do I see? Our freaking pediatrician. And <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm holding a red solo cup in my pineapple dress. And I was like, oh, I feel like I need to explain myself here. Um, And her husband works at the hospital. And I said something like, ah, this is a joke. I just said that. And he goes, oh, she doesn't know what you're talking about. And I was like, okay, foot in mouth. Um, And she's like looking like awkwardly between the two of us. Like we had an inside joke that she wasn't in on. And he like whispers it to her. And like she turns bright red. And I was like, I want to die. Um, (laughs) It was that joke's on me now. So yeah, anyway. So the pineapple dress, the wedding was a lot of fun. I don't think anyone would have looked at that dress and thought that Did that's you what see you the picture meant. of it? Oh, I guess I didn't know. Okay. I'll text you a picture. It was, okay. it was, and okay, remind me when this episode comes out, I will post an Instagram picture, like a full, like get up of the, it's, it's really obnoxious. It's not like okay. cute pineapples. It's like, I'm a swinger pineapples, except I'm not oh a swinger. Oh Okay. Okay. And then otherwise, <laughs> um, so that was a lot of fun. The wedding was great. Um, and then, yeah, we're going up to Northern Michigan next weekend. We're taking Harley with us, our dog that was Aww. supposed to be put down, scheduled to be put down actually in May. Um, she is still with us and she's still with us. So we're taking her on vacation because <laughs> we can't really like board her. She's yeah. too old. Um, yeah. I think she'll do great. Hopefully. It's hard to find an Airbnb that accepts animals. I'm like, it's a, mm-hmm. if they accept kids, I'm just kidding. But animals <laughs> is a whole nother level. Um, so we'll hopefully yeah. that goes well. But oh, good. that's our update. What's going on in the OHIO football oh, season? Oh my gosh. 
not quite as much as what's going on with you. Uh, I feel like my life is just super crazy this weekend. It's just, but it's just a bunch of little things as always. Nothing major, but we just have, you know, we've got flag football going on. Uh, Paige is still playing tennis. Paige is doing piano. I'm going to start karate for Cameron. And, oh, and then I just signed up Paige for like a tumble class where she does, it's not full gymnastics because she's not going to be a gymnast. Okay, so what's the point in that? It is, but what she loves to do is tumble. She likes to do flips and cartwheels and handstands and back bends and just she'll do it all over the house. I think we've talked about this before. She yeah. does it outside just all day long. So I finally found a classic that I could get her into that was just straight up tumbling. And so I think she's really going to enjoy that. She's tumbling for an hour once a week, get some energy out and maybe learn a few new moves. So yeah, that'll be fun. Okay. So then. I haven't dealt with this before and have you, okay. So once this was about four. Your show you know. notes scare me. I know. I know. Okay. So this was about four or five days ago. Cameron started complaining about this pain in his butt, he would say. And I'm thinking, okay, he must be constipated. I, I don't know, but he would only complain about it at nighttime. And I'm thinking, are you stalling? Is this a stall tactic? I mean, literally I would put him to bed, shut the door you're like, ah, oh, my butt hurts, my butt hurts. So I'm thinking, you're just trying not to go to bed. This is a stall tactic. Okay. Well, then he would wake up in the middle of the night complaining about it and just tears coming down his eyes about this pain and itching in his butt. And I mean, I did not know what to think of it. But then I thought, again, maybe he's constipated. Maybe he's dry up there. He had been pooping quite a bit, actually, but like little poops. I know this is way TMI. So if you're eating, pause the podcast for the next, I should have prefaced this before, but probably for the next couple of minutes. Uh, or if you don't want to hear about this at all, feel free to fast forward. And I didn't, I thought maybe it was just really dry. So then the next day, same thing happened at night. Nothing, he was fine all day long. And then at night, the pain came back. Then he's talking to me as I'm laying with him in bed and sort of, you know, massaging his back about how he, the day before when we went to the football game, had noticed little worms in his poop. And honestly, he had told me that before, but you know, I was just like, oh yeah, fun, little worms, ha ha, not thinking anything of it. Like you didn't see worms in your poop. (laughs) But when he said it the second time, I actually paid attention and started to think, okay, well maybe that's something. (laughs) So I Googled it, that's right away I Googled it. And turns out he had pinworm in the, the, (laughs) yeah, all of the symptoms were exactly what he had. So little white worms in your poop and pain in the butt, in the anus, essentially only that mainly comes out at night because I guess they kind of come out at night. So gross. And uh, it generally will keep your children or you awake throughout the night. I'm like, oh, wow, that's what he has. So of course, I made him an appointment right away to get into the doctor. We all had to take the medicine. It was just a one dose medicine that just goes through your system and then you essentially poop it out and it kills the active hatched worms. And then we had to take it again in two weeks uh, in case we had any larvae that weren't hatched when we took the medicine initially to kill anything that, that hatched between the, that dose and the, and the the next two weeks. So the whole family has to take it because it's that contagious. <laughs> it's so gross. So we've all been like examining our poop. I know this is way TMI. So like I said, fast forward, if you don't want to hear this, although it's too late. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So we had to deal with that. Never dealt with that ever, you know, with our two children. So this was a first for us. <laughs> but all is good now. No more waking up. No more tears at night. Thank goodness. And it was just a one simple dose of medicine that, you know, one and done. Well, I guess actually technically two and done. So, oh, and, and Paige refused to take the medicine. So I'm, I told her she might have butt worms, but it doesn't seem to make, it's not making her budge. She's very strong-willed. So we'll see what happens. She might have. <laughs> yeah, she would rather have butt worms than take this medicine. I don't know. Oh, very, very interesting. It's like my actual night that they went through. Um, they're not called, but what are they? Ringworm? No, roundworm. Yeah, ringworm's a little bit different, but yeah, he, he has pinworm. Oh, pinworm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, pinworm. Yeah. So I had never, I never knew what that was, but it it was going through our um, primary class when the girls were still at Montessori when they were both. I was like. Do I keep them home? Like I don't. They started sending out emails about what it was, and I was, I was, oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, oh disgusting. my gosh, I know, I know. It's I don't like know how or where he got contagious. it. Yes, yes. Ugh. Would you rather have? I'm that assuming or he likes though. 
oh gosh, pinworm in a, in a in a heartbeat. Lice, you have to like literally burn everything. Actually, I don't know, or wash everything that you've touched. I mean, I hear that getting rid of lice is almost impossible and takes a long, long time. This was easy. This was take some medicine, wash sheets, done. Yeah. But definitely I would, I would, I would much rather. And plus it's in your butt. Like lice is in your hair. It can jump to your, to your pets. I'm kind of, I'm sort of, I don't really know if this is actually true, but this is how I envision. I mean, it can, since it's, it's your hair, your head is out in the open, whereas your butt's covered. I feel like it's a little bit easier to manage. Yeah. So I don't know. <sighs> It, it, needless to say, I hope we never have to deal with that again. I don't think I'm eating. All right. Lunch today. Um, what was that? I don't think I'm eating lunch today. I know. Kidding. I know. All good. Lost an appetite for quite some time. Okay. Lastly, this is a funny story. So Paige told me that she was at school and she had a question for her teacher and she went up to the teacher and she said, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> and when she told me this, I just died laughing and she got so mad. But I just thought it was hilarious. I'm sure this happens a lot to teachers where, where, where kids come up to them and call them Alexa. I said, well, what did you say? She said, well, I just pretended like I was telling her a story about my friend, Alexa. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> she was that embarrassed. Quick yeah, thinking, yeah. Paige. I like it. I know. I know. But truthfully, like, I feel like I would do something like that. You know, I mean, how many times have you tried to scroll on a, on a book? You know, for example, I've definitely done that. Like put my finger on a book to move the page. I mean, Shay's working on multiple, like on her um, addition and subtraction, like flashcards and time tests and all that in second grade. And we, she was like, I even know um, multiplication. And so Mark on the way home from soccer just a couple minutes ago said, okay, well, well, it's three times three. And she thought about it and she said 12. And she, he was like, no, I'm sorry, that's not right. Try again. And she goes, I would just Google it or ask Alexa. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, yeah, that's not a solution in second grade. (laughs) So, oh my gosh. But yeah, so easy. So easy to do. Different days, raising kids. For sure. All right. Well, before we begin, just a quick favor to ask, since you like this podcast, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us. And of course, they help us reach more people and we'd appreciate it. All right. Well, this is uh, almost October as we're recording this. And if you didn't know, I'm running my first half marathon. And if you're curious what that means, it's 13.1 miles. So a full marathon is 26.2 miles. Half marathon is 13.1 miles. Uh, Today, we're discussing our history with endurance events, what I've been doing to prepare my body physically and mentally for the half marathon, and what the pros say about training for a marathon or similar endurance events. And that's where we'll begin. I reached out to a good friend of mine, Katie Weon, who is an endurance coach with peak performance coaching for runners and triathletes. In addition to virtual endurance coaching, Katie offers one-on-one personal training and has an affinity for the aging female as our bodies transition through perimenopause and menopause. Katie is also, importantly, a mental health advocate, and she brings a keen sense of awareness to the importance of mental wellness, uh, where movement isn't necessarily focused on aesthetics, but rather mental and physical health, which, of course, is a stark contrast to a lot of the endurance coaches out there who mainly focus on being lean. Uh, and it's just really another reason why I just love Katie so much. So she's, you know, almost like a, a haze aligned coach, I would call her. So one question I asked Katie, uh, is just what are some general tips for a, a big endurance event or training for a big endurance event? And she gave me some ideas. She said three things come to mind. First is listen to your body. She suggested starting nice and easy as your body is only able to handle a certain amount of stress and mileage, as we all know. Uh, She says, safely increase the workload as your body allows. She says, one major concern uh, with increasing your training too much is the fact that with inexperienced athletes, when fatigue sets in, and this was really, I I took note of this as I am training for my half marathon. She said, when fatigue sets in, uh, form starts to fall apart more than highly trained athletes. Uh, So when fatigued due to exhaustion, novice runners often demonstrate a significant change in running mechanics. And I can sort of envision my body doing this. And what this means is just greater risk for injury. So some some of her basic first-time endurance suggestions include 
choosing to run for an allotted amount of time instead of distance. So for example, instead of saying, I'm going to go run six miles now, I'm going to instead say, I'm going to go try to run for 50 minutes straight without stopping or so giving yourself a time goal instead of a distance goal at first. Add in walk breaks as fatigue sets in. This can help build an aerobic base while reducing the risk of injury. And I will tell you, I've definitely learned to do that as I'm training. You know, once I sort of hit, I don't want to say hit the wall because that's not what it really is necessarily, but where I feel like I just cannot run another, you know, step, I will even just walk for 20 seconds. And that just gives me that energy boost I need to just continue running. Substitute cross training if needed or add that to your regimen as you're training and make sure you are adding strength training as well. Uh, So I thought those were some good tips. So, So I said three things. So that first one was listen to your body. The second one she says is recover. This includes incorporating rest days, Yeah, so not working out and training every single day of the week, making sure that you're getting at least eight hours of sleep, making sure that you're staying hydrated. And that includes electrolytes, she says. So there's lots of good products out there. Obviously, you know, for most people, they think of Gatorade or Powerade, but I'm a huge fan of those Noon tablets, N-U-U-N. You can just add to water and it makes it fizzy and it's full of electrolytes, but without all the sugar. Uh, Not to say that sugar isn't important, uh, which... I'm actually not talking about that today, but certainly when you're doing an endurance exercise for long periods of time, like two plus hours, you need that sugar and glucose. But if you're just doing, you know, a, you know, 30 to an hour, even hour and a half workout, it is my opinion that you don't need that extra sugar. Uh, you just need the electrolytes, maybe even a little bit of sodium if you're a big sweater. Okay. And then she, of course, says daily nutrition. Uh, which includes pre, mid, and post-workout fueling. But again, that's especially if you're doing, you know, a two-plus-hour type endurance event. I'm specifically saying for the mid, uh, mid-event mid uh, fueling. You don't necessarily need to fuel your body mid-event if you're just, you know, training for an hour, even just an hour and a half, I would say. And that is, at least, that's not what I do. Uh, But if you're doing it for like an hour, 45 minutes, two hours plus, like when you're doing the marathon or actually in the event, you're going to need to supply yourself with fuel, what generally from like Gatorade or some of those goop pouches. Okay. Uh, So carbohydrates, she says, are necessary to go the distance, but protein and the timing of it is important as well for muscle protein synthesis or rebuilding the muscle, which we'll talk about a little bit uh, in a bit here. And then, of course, the last advice she has or last tip is have fun, which is important. It's easy to get caught up in our hectic daily schedules outside of training. Take a moment to stop and realize all that you've accomplished thus far. In fact, one of the keys to avoiding burnout is to enjoy the process, which I think is really, really a good point. I would say if you want to reach out to Katie, I'm going to put her information in our show notes. She is just a wealth of knowledge. And again, she does virtual coaching And honestly, one of my favorite people. So I would certainly uh, suggest reaching out to her if you'd like to get some more information about training for an event that you've got coming up or or anything like that, because she's just a wealth of knowledge. And she does triathlete. She's a triathlete herself. And just, I love her so much. All right, Nicole, have you ever done a major endurance event before? Quite Mm -hmm. a few. Um, Two full marathons and four half, I believe. I've also done a duathlon which was run, bike, run. I think there's a couple different ways to do Athlon, uh, but I think that's the traditional. Um, my biggest accomplishment, I would say, was placing second in a second female overall in the Chicago quarter marathon. Uh, my mile splits, I know, Gina, you always make fun of me, but 647, since probably if you're listening Dang. to this, you might care. Uh, but yeah, I was I was a quick little runner. And it's funny because looking back, I didn't know how good I was. (laughs) It was, I just kind of crazy. I think I was like out of my mind that day in particular. It was in Chicago and it was kind of an out and back right on Lakeshore Drive. And when I made the turn to head back, the at the turn, they were going, here comes the first female. Here comes the first female. And it was me. And I was like, who? Where is she? And they were like, it's you. I was like, what? (laughs) I mean, it was unreal. Like I literally did not know how good I was. It was a smaller race. It was not, um, not small, but smaller. Uh, and then I got passed in like the last hundred yards. And I remember my boyfriend at the time I was in high school, 
I was probably a senior in high school. So this was more than half my lifetime ago for reference. <laughs> um, he was running aside, uh, beside me for the last hundred. And he's like, she's coming. She's coming. Go faster. And I'm like, I can't go faster. You a-hole. Like, I was like, I was done. I, had, I was, oh my gosh. was done. Um, my first marathon was also a really great pace. Uh, it was under 10 minutes a mile. I remember my, my finish was 40709. And it's hilarious because I cannot remember anything in life, literally <laughs> nothing, but I can remember both of those accomplishments perfectly down to my times and everything. Um, and I guess I would also put hockey tournaments in this category, just weekends with four to five hours of it. And it's not usually a whole weekend. It's usually like a Friday night to a Sunday morning. So you're looking at what is that? Like less than 48 hours playing four to five hours of intense hockey. You know what? That's funny. I'm glad that you wrote that because that's a good point. You don't think of that as necessarily an endurance event, but it, well, maybe you do, but that definitely is four to five hours of intense hockey with all that gear on top of you too. Well, sometimes you wake up in the morning after playing Friday night super hard and you're like, your legs are lead. And you've got at least two, if not three games that day to play and then wake up Sunday, do the same thing. It's, like, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, it sort of reminds me of how, OK, then I'm going to I'm going to count my when I was at right after graduating from college, when I was a waitress working doubles back to back to back. <laughs> that was an endurance event. Uh-huh. Let me tell you, even now, sometimes when I'm working, you know, 15 hours at work in the, you know, in the dining halls. I, I now I, I'm I'm approaching forty, so to me that is now considered an endurance event. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what else you got going? On? You're you've yeah. got quite the resume here too. Not really. Uh, I did really the only thing I have on here is that I did a duathlon, which was an 18 mile bike ride and 3.2 mile run. Honestly, that was the most endurance that I've done, aside from you know my turkey trots that I usually do, which is five miles, which. For me, that doesn't really count as like a big endurance. I don't have to necessarily train for that, right? Uh, so I did my 18-mile bike ride and 3.2-mile run in 39 minutes. I went actually went back to a blog post I wrote about it and and saw that. I didn't because I didn't memorize it, which I'm sorry, an hour in 39 minutes, not 39 minutes, please. <laughs> yeah, I rode 18 miles and ran 3.2 in 39 minutes. You're I am stunned. amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But listen to this. So I, I had a blog. It was called The Kansas RD. And that's how actually Nicole and I kind of met. And I wrote about, quote unquote, carb loading. Now, I mean, let me preface this by saying this was when I was very inundated by diet culture. And I was definitely what I would consider. I would say I had an eating disorder slash disordered eating at that time. I mean, I know that there's like a fine line between the two. I was maybe in transition from full on anorexia to more of disordered eating. Okay. So my carb loading at that time consisted of vegetables, shrimp, and a beer. (laughs) Carb loading. Uh, So that was what I had the night before I did this event. Yeah. So like a wild night of keto or something. Like, I don't know what to call that, Gina. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I was like looking at this. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. I think I did a little bit of both. (laughs) That is ridiculous. Uh, So like I said, that was my idea of carb loading was extremely skewed because of where I was at mentally. Like having that beer was probably, ooh, you know, there's my carb. I just clearly had no idea what I was talking about. Um, I mentioned on the blog post also having a light breakfast before the event of granola, a banana, and coffee, which I will tell you, this might sound ridiculous, but it's probably very similar to what I will do this time because it doesn't sound like a lot. And a little bit of granola, a banana, and some coffee. It's not a lot. I cannot run with food in my belly. I will tell you, even as I have been training for this this half marathon, I'll go for, I've only, I've gotten up to 10 miles, okay? I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow is Sunday. That's when I'll go for my run. I won't eat anything before. And I know that sounds crazy and I don't necessarily recommend it. You do you. But I will get most of my calories in tonight to 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 prepare my body for tomorrow because when I have food in my in my belly, I it like affects my running and it's not mental. I think it actually has a little bit to do with my how I still maybe have a little bit of IBS. Doesn't necessarily affect me day to day, but I do think I do my my gut is more sensitive, so I'm sensitive to the feeling of food like sloshing in my body. If anything, I could probably eat a banana, but there are just certain foods I cannot eat. And I still haven't exactly pinpointed that because I'm not generally a runner. 
So I don't know if that makes any sense, but I just probably, I don't even know what I will eat before this marathon, if anything, but I will certainly take advantage of, you know, whatever they give me like on the run, if they give me Gatorade or those little, you know, uh, squeeze it pouches, or maybe I'll even invest in some of those to consume before, because I think that those little pouchy things probably wouldn't slosh in my body. It's more like liquid. I don't know. How do you, what do you, do you eat before you do long distance runs or am I the only crazy one who just really does not? Yeah. I mean, I have to eat something, but yeah, to your point, it's kind of a timing thing. So I wouldn't go eating an hour before the race. Um, I think two hours or before, and I'm generally good, but uh, to your point, I, I think something is better. Something is good. Uh, but yeah, it has to be something that's pretty easily digestible. So probably not something high in fat, um, because fat digests very slowly. But I do think of something like maybe it's some toast with jam or some granola with, you know, low fat milk. Um, again, because of the fat, you just don't want it sitting in your stomach. You want to move it along. Um, and definitely carbs with a little bit of protein. Yeah, it's just like all I, it's just also the amount of food that I that I I, I just what I need is a very concentrated amount of carbohydrates is what I need. So I'm going to invest in some of those pouches. As I'm saying this out loud, I'm sort of planning in my head what I'm going to do on the day because I'm also I get very nervous before running races and that affects my GI system. What about like so a I don't Luna wanna... bar? Those are so high in carb. They're like 47 grams of carbs each. That would be a Luna bar is mm-hmm. really wow. They're real high. Maybe I'll consider that. Yeah, but that's also yeah, and that's actually not that much food. Like no, as far as it's like the, um, the volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll consider that. That's a good idea. Okay, what's the white chocolate macadamia? Those are so good. Well, those aren't Luna bars. Those are uh, Cliff bars. You're thinking. Oh of. yes, thank you. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh-huh. You're right, Cliff bars. They are quite high in carbohydrate and and yeah, like a small package. So I would think those are perfect for this type of. You're right. And I could even like pack one. They have mini ones as well. I could even pack a couple of those mm-hmm. in my uh, shorts or my pants, whatever I'm wearing during the run and probably just eat that in a couple bites when I'm running. I like that idea. Okay. So when you had your, let's just say marathon, for example, were you prepared? The first time, heck yeah. I followed my training to a T. I followed the Hal Higdon. Is that still like a, a thing? I've never heard of this. No. He was like an old dude when I was running. So, uh, but I'm sure the old Google could round up something for you. But it's, I mean, it's just a kind of taper up, taper down uh, running program. But that was kind of what I, I d- trained all of my races using. Um, but I would just print the schedule and cross off the days. And I did exactly what it said. If it said rest, I rested. If it was, uh, you know, a five mile tempo run, that's what I was doing. Yeah, it, I 100% followed it to a T. The second, I definitely did not. I was in college at the time and whether who knows if it was class or social or you name it, I had missed several of my long runs. So in full marathon training, you typically get up to like a 20 miler depending on the training that you're doing. And then hopefully hope that hope that the adrenaline pushes you through the last six. Um, Some trainings get up to 22, but not not most of them, but I had missed like my 20 miler, my 18 miler, and probably my 17 and 16. Like I had missed all <laughs> the big ones. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I said I wrote here that I had probably I hadn't done more than 16 miles before the race. So to push through 10 miles is a lot different than pushing through six at that yeah. point. Usually they say you hit the wall between 18 and 20. Um, oh. yeah, and I'll talk more about my second marathon in a little bit, but. Yeah. What about you in terms of preparedness? Yeah, I was not prepared. I mean, like I said, I was definitely still what I would consider I had disordered eating. Uh, I was just not nourished. I was undernourished for sure. So in that regard, I was not prepared. I know for sure during that whole race, I was working more off of adrenaline than actually nourishment. Uh, Like I said, I did pretty well, but I, you know, considering, but I can only imagine how sore my body was afterwards and all the inflammation that was going on in my body from not being properly trained or fueled and nourished. So of course, the answer I would say is no, I was not prepared. My poor body probably didn't even know what to think. I, Of course, at the time, I would also say my way of handling anytime I would eat more than my body felt comfortable would be to exercise. That's kind of how I purged, if you will. So I was my body was, I would say, in shape as far as, you know, my heart was used to endurance training because I was a big exerciser. 
I don't think I ever even gave myself a day off, but it was not necessarily long bouts of exercise. So I would probably work out every day for 30 minutes to an hour. So this was not something that my body was used to. And again, clearly, I, I don't even, I don't, I can't imagine what I would have done to train. Uh, I probably went on a few runs here and there. I might have done a few big bike rides, but I don't really recall. I know I was using my mom's bike and I did actually, I think maybe train a little bit on how to get out and in of the clip because I used her clip pedals. But I don't remember actually like going on long bike rides to train for this 18 mile bike ride, which really isn't that long. So I think maybe in my head, I was thinking 18 miles is nothing. It I remember it being very tiring because it doesn't sound like that much mileage and it really isn't. But when you're not used to riding a bike, it's very difficult. Like my butt just gets really sore and it is an awkward feeling when you're not used to it. But I just don't recall really training a whole lot for that. Uh, let's see. So yeah, I mean, I think overall I, I wasn't prepared, but I ended up doing fine because of the adrenaline and yeah, the adrenaline. I was nervous and that's what kept me going. I'm sure that the days afterwards I was very sore because I was undernourished. All right. What about listening? What do you listen to during these events or really when you work out and go for runs in general? Do you listen to music, podcasts, books, nothing? Uh, during, I'm retired now, uh, but <laughs> during my training days, definitely music or probably more so TV. Uh, I did a lot of my training on the treadmill. I know. I know. Um, I, why, why do you think that's bad? Because people call it the treadmill and I'm the only person I know who actually likes the treadmill. Oh yeah. Okay. I've never met somebody else who's like, I love the treadmill. I actually do love the treadmill. Mm. I love having my water there and my towel there and the ability to text my husband and say, hey, can you bring me this? Can you point the fan at this angle? I mean, it's like <laughs> running. It's like bougie. I, you have everything yeah. there. If you're out on the road, freaking hills, rain, weather, mm. no water. I mean, you cars. No, 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 no. It's just to me, that's that's a lot harder. Um but yeah, I, I just really do like the treadmill, but I'm old now. And I, so I do feel like I appreciate weather so much more so. So if it is nice now, I do run outside because uh, I just feel like it's such a, a shame to be indoors during nice weather. And now when I run outside, which is typically like this time of year, it'll be at least once a week, maybe twice. Um, I more do a Peloton workout on the app. Um, because I just like that it varies me. So it'll say, you know, it'll actually guide me through a warm up, a cool down, some higher intensity paces, some lower intensity. So I just enjoy kind of that variety and having like a ver a little coach through my ear. That's when you're um, outside. Yeah, I'll have my phone yeah, okay. with me or even, you know, I can do it for my watch and just use my my Peloton app to do the outdoor running or the treadmill runs. It doesn't matter. It'll kind of guide you. Okay. Yeah, I've never, I've never tried that. But not that podcasts or books, man. Mm, look at you. Yeah. You're so productive. It's not about being productive. It's that that's what gets me through it. If I have a good book that I'm listening to, I won't even think about the run. So when I've been doing these, I've been finding really good books on tape, except for the last book I heard that listened to on tape that really wasn't even that good, but it was still good enough that it kept me running. And then it's like the, the run goes by so fast. If I'm just listening to music or nothing or a coach, I mean, maybe a coach. I've never tried a coach, so I shouldn't say that. But the the book just keeps me engaged or a good podcast. The thing I don't like about podcasts now that I'm training and I'm running for more like an hour and a half to two hours at a time is that I don't want to have to take off my, you know, my armband with my, with my phone and take it out of the little sleeve and pause and find the new podcast. They're not long enough. Yeah. So a book, I mean, it's eight hours long generally, if not longer. I don't have to stop and find a new one. But when I'm running without training, when I'm just doing like my four or five mile runs just every once in a while, I usually am listening to a podcast uh, or a book. Either way, that's what I listen to. It's, it's always either a podcast or book. What is the last really good book you read on tape or listened to on tape? You always do this to me and I'm so bad at remembering the names of books. So let me go back to my Goodreads. Actually, no, I should go back. I'm listening to now Wish You Were Here, which so far I am enjoying. I wouldn't say it was, it's really good, but I am enjoying it. 
Uh, oh, I like mysteries. I really like mysteries, but I can't, like I said, I can never remember. Hold on, hold on. Let's go on to the next, uh, the next question. Okay, here, I'll, I'll just throw out for listeners. Um, my book club this month is reading If You Tell by Greg Olson, and it's available at um, Kindle Unlimited or Amazon, whatever it is. The Unlimited, if you're a part of that. Um, it also has the audio version. And that's a mystery. So if Gina can't come up with something, there you go. But Ooh, I listened to the book His and Hers. That was really good. Yeah, I All liked right. that one. Well, here's also an easier question. Great alone. Oh. oh, that was yeah, oh. sorry. Oh, uh, Chris and Hannah. Yes, so good. Chris and Hannah is amazing. All right, Gina, what are you doing to prepare for the half marathon as far as physical training and mental prep? Mm-hmm. All right, so months ago, I was I tried to be like you for your first marathon. I downloaded a training calendar. Uh, I had it all planned out, but I will tell you. I have been following it very, very loosely. I sort of made up my own training calendar, but I, I definitely use that as reference and guidance because I've never done this before. Uh, so essentially, my goal every week is to get two outdoor runs in a week, which was easy when doing five to six miles. But now that I'm up to 10 miles, it's really just once a week because I just don't have two hours to run. I don't have, I was doing the five to six miles easy in the morning before going to work. I don't have two hours for going to work to run. So I could really only do it once a week and that's on the weekends. And since Nick is also training with me, this was sort of our thing to do together. He is running on Saturday mornings and I'm running on Sunday mornings. And I will tell you this, it's so freaking annoying. He doesn't even run and he's already doing like nine minute, 30 minute miles in in his 10 mile runs which is about where I'm at, let me tell you. But I work out daily and I'm much more in shape than him. He just uh, irks me so much. Although I will say his recovery is a little bit more brutal than mine because his legs just aren't aren't used to it. He also has a metal rod in his leg, I will say. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he got in a, a really, really bad car accident when he was in high school. And so he does have a metal rod, but still. But yeah, even that, like, he has a metal rod. He doesn't work out. He's not in shape and he's already out there running 10 miles at the same pace that I'm running. Ugh, irks me. Okay. Aww. It's all right. It's all right. The training calendar that I had downloaded also has two days of cross training, which I know Katie had mentioned as well. So, so important to do that. So essentially not just doing endurance training, doing some lifting, doing some high intensity uh, interval training type workouts. So I do do that once or twice a week at Orange Theory because that's all that is, is cross training. You know, the rower, the weights, the treadmill. Uh, and then at Orange Theory, you're always on the treadmill for at least 30 minutes. And they're t- they'll tell you to, you know, turn up your speed and then turn it down and then walk. I have been actually trying really hard to, when they say walk, continuing to run. And that's really just with the goal to keep my endurance up. Or if they say to go f- all, you know, full out or all out instead of, you know, my normal eight. Uh, eight miles per hour speed, I'll do nine or nine and a half just to kind of really push myself. Wow. Again, since it's only 30 minutes, I feel like I can do that. That's sort of been helping me as well. Uh, and then I'm also making sure, like Katie said, and I think it's a really good idea to get one rest day in, sometimes two, but generally it's just one. But on the a, a lot of other days, like twice a week, I will do something very, very low key. For example, I'll do a bar workout, which actually can be very difficult, but it's not something that um, is endurance related or high intensity related. It's mainly for my leg strength because I find, and I think this is normal, but my heart, I, I am very well. I mean, my endurance training is just on point. I am very trained in that area. My heart is good. I feel like I could, I could run for hours, like in endurance, um, related to my endurance. But as far as my leg strength, I mean, and you mentioned this. I mean, my legs feel like jello at about mile eight. So in the back of my mind, I think I just need to do more exercises to improve my leg strength. And then also my knees. I do have, I don't necessarily want to say bad knees, but I can kind of sense, I, I sense them changing as I age. So I need to be cognizant of that. So I've been doing, again, bar workouts, lots of leg and knee stretches and exercises to sort of keep my legs and my knees strong and prevent them from breaking down as I as I age and as I run this uh, and prepare to run this half marathon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say that's what I've been doing. And, and mentally, you know, I'm just 
trying to have good thoughts and speak positively to myself if I do something that maybe I shouldn't have done or if I, you know, didn't, if, you know, the other day I went for a 10 mile run that ended up only being nine and a half instead of beating myself up. I'm just, you know, giving myself positive encouragement, which I think is super helpful. Good. That's awesome. And what about in terms of nutrition? What, what does that look like in preparation for your half marathon? Yeah. So I will say this is not my area of expertise. So when I mentioned prior about how I personally don't eat anything before I go for a run, that is not necessarily general advice I would give to everyone. That just works for me. And also it's because I'm not running a marathon. That would be different if I was running a marathon or doing something like Ironman. But for me, I don't feel that I need the nourishment beforehand for a 10 mile run. I have felt fine. I get that way before. And and of course, I also make sure to consume plenty afterwards. So it just, it's just my GI track. And some people I'm sure are nodding their heads in agreement. Others might be like, what are you talking about? Anyway, so the advice I did have, uh, I, I took a look at my exercise nutrition book from the exercise nutrition course that I took in graduate school that I really enjoyed. And the advice is five to seven grams of carbohydrate per kilogram when training. And then when you're during the season and heavy training, 12 to 19 grams per kilogram. This is very general. The, the ranges are also very large because it depends on what you're training for. I am training for a half marathon. That is not an ultra endurance event, in my opinion. Um, it is certainly an endurance event, and it's certainly uh, something that I need to be cognizant of my carbohydrates for, but I would not consider that an ultra endurance event. What, what Do you agree? Agree. Yeah. Okay. So I took the the lower uh, range. So when it says five to seven grams per kilogram, I'm sort of, I thought I would aim for more like the five grams. And then when it said like during the season and heavy training where I am now, where it says 12 to 19 grams, I'm aiming for that 12. So to put that into perspective, for a person at 150 pounds, that is, oh my gosh, for during training season, about 800 grams of carbohydrates per day. Which, let me tell you, that mm-hmm. is a lot of carbohydrates. And I'm not saying that like, oh my gosh, I could never have that many. Car-. It is just thinking about eating that much food in, in general is really hard for me physically to think about that. Before it would have been mentally, I I can't eat that many carbohydrates. Now it's just thinking about eating that physically, how that would make my body feel. I think, whoa, that is a lot of carbohydrates. I don't know that I would actually be able to do that. Anyway, protein recommendation is 1.2 to 2 grams per kilogram. And that's roughly 80 to 140 grams uh, per day for a 150 pound person. Okay, I'm just using an an average uh, amount uh, of pounds. And then for fat, the recommendation is 0.8 to 2 grams per kilogram, which I didn't do the math for that one. That's like the least of my concern is fat. I'm really focusing mainly on carbohydrates and protein. Okay, I will tell you, as I just alluded to, this advice of all this, you know, grams of carbs, grams of protein would have just probably, you know, three or four years ago, taken me down the wrong path for a couple of reasons. First, it may have started an obsession with tracking and recording, or second, it may have caused me to second guess myself as I was training. In other words, do I really need this many carbohydrates? Again, though, more of a mental thing. Like I would have been thinking to myself, you know, carbohydrates, I I don't need that many carbohydrates. That's not good for me, you know? Whereas now it's more, oh my gosh, that's a lot of food. I can't physically imagine consuming all that. So it's a little bit of a different difference as far as my mental mentality. I think I'm in a much better place now. So for the half marathon, training. I'm, I will tell you, I am not tracking anything. And really, I'm just trying to train for this intuitively. I will admit it is not the best idea for a really intense training. But for 13 miles, for me personally, it's not extremely intense since I've, I'm essentially only doubling my normal run. If I was doing a full marathon, I would say tracking would be imperative. So in other words, I would probably have a sheet of paper or a journal of some sort where I'd be making sure that I am getting at least close to those recommendations for grams of carbohydrates per day and protein. But because it's a 13 mile run and because for me, uh, it's really essentially only double what I generally run, I have not been tracking and I've been trying to just be intuitive about my eating. So in other words, letting my body be my guide, okay? Now, I don't know how many carbs I'm getting, but I will say I am finding myself craving carbohydrates more for sure, because my body needs more of them as I've upped my workouts and long runs. 
I've actually noticed for a week after my long 10 mile run. So essentially at this, at this point all the time, I think a lot about carbohydrates and that's essentially what I, what I sort of gravitate to as I'm looking for food. Uh, this has really been a sign to me that I'm not getting enough beforehand. So I'm trying to be more mindful of this and I will definitely be mindful, mindful of this, you know, at least a week before the actual race. Cause again, I'm only at 10 miles and I'm already noticing that I'm thinking a lot about carbohydrates. So, you know, I don't think it means I need to start tracking, but I do need to start being more diligent about adding more carbohydrates where I can. Uh, I, I have also noticed this, that on days of my actual runs, so for example, tomorrow, my appetite plummets and then I'm ravenous the next day. And I think this is kind of typical. I know that I, 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 I kind of forget the mechanism here, but I do know that like the first, I don't know, let's just say hour, this is not scientific, but a, a certain amount of time after you work out, your appetite does actually decrease. And again, don't know the mechanism or how to describe that, but that is actually a fact for a certain amount of time. And then it starts to sort of increase. So I've definitely noticed after my long runs, 10 miles is where I'm at now, I'm not hungry. I don't feel the need to eat, but there is something called practical hunger. And that is when you might not necessarily feel hunger, hunger in your body. You don't have that um, growling and you just don't feel like you want to eat or need to eat, but it's still going to be important for you to eat during those times. For example, for me, after I just ran 10 miles, I'm not necessarily hungry, but I know I need to nourish my body. I just know that I need to do that. Another example is maybe if you're about to go into a long shift at work and you know you're not going to have a break because it's super busy, but you're not very hungry yet, eat something still to sort of get you through that long shift at work because you know you're not going to have food for another five hours or whatever it is. That's practical hunger and it's okay to do that. So I'm allowing myself, uh, you know, I'm fully aware that there's going to be times when I'm essentially forcing myself to eat, uh, even though I'm not hungry. And of course, after your 10 mile run or whatever it is that you're training, after your training, it's really going to be important to consume carbohydrates and protein. As far as my carbohydrates are concerned, because that is such a high amount of carbohydrates that I have to aim for every day, I've been focusing more on cereals, which have about 30 to 45 grams of, of carbs per serving, which is a serving is generally, you know, a quarter of a cup, I'm sorry, three quarters of a cup to a cup and a half. And then pasta, which a third of a cup has about 15 grams of carbs. So you can get, you know, a good two, two cups of cooked pasta for what does that, I can't even do that math. 30, 40, 90 grams of carbs. Yeah. yeah. And then I've been doing a lot of juice actually in kombucha because I'm obsessed with kombucha. Uh, bagels as well. I've been eating bagels almost daily, which have about 60 grams of carbs, roughly. Um, snack bars, crackers. And then of course, I've been enjoying a beer or an NA beer as I train, which I will say there is some good research to support beer as a recovery aid, but of course, not more than one. And they also say not above 4% uh, alcohol by volume as far as the positive benefits, uh, which I just found a quick research study about that, which I thought was interesting. Uh, let's see the week before the marathon. Okay. So again, just being more cognizant about getting more carbohydrates is really what I've been doing and, and paying attention to my hunger, but also knowing that sometimes I have to eat even despite not being hungry. The week before my marathon, the half marathon, I'll definitely do what they call carb loading, but actually in a, <laughs> in a better way than I did before. Just be really more mindful about getting significant amounts of carbs at each meal, snack, every single day for at least the week before, making sure that my body is nourished with carbs, 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 and protein. So speaking of protein, uh, I will say I've really been aiming, for, I, I've been kind of on this, not vegetarian kick, but I certainly haven't been craving chicken, meat, pork as much. I, I really am really into the vegetarian meats lately, whether it's tofu or beans or even the veggie like analog products, like the chick nuggets or bean burgers. I've just been gravitating towards those more, which isn't necessarily great for my half marathon training, but I do know that you can be a vegetarian and an endurance athlete. So I'm kind of trying it out, but I do still eat on occasion chicken, beef, not, not consuming that. That's for sure. I've been doing supplementation is what I'm trying to say. So I know I need that extra protein. So my collagen powder, I've been having two scoops, one in the morning, one at night. And then 
Sometimes I'll even do that right after my training. So after that 10 mile run, because protein is really good for muscle uh, synthesis, but also helping your muscles so they don't get sore after your workout. More eggs as well. I've been doing a lot of eggs. And instead of using almond milk at night, which a lot of times I'll have a cup of almond milk at night. Don't ask me why, just for some calcium. I'll do regular milk and I do that fair life extra protein milk. And then I also, instead of doing almond milk in my smoothies, which by the way, has no protein and well, yeah, no protein. I've been adding it, uh, just regular fair life milk to my smoothies instead. What am I forgetting as far as, as far as nutrition is concerned? I know we sort of briefly mentioned hydration. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I am, tell me what you think about this, but I'm sort of under in the impression, I'm not a huge sweater, first of all. So I think that that plays a huge role in how much I, I replenish. I don't sweat a lot. So I don't feel the need to replenish a lot of fluids and salt. Not saying it's not important, but I have not been bringing a water bottle with me on my runs. Uh, be, yeah, I don't do that. I drink plenty, you know, the night before. I drink a little bit before I go on a run. And then I obviously drink plenty afterwards. But I haven't found myself needing it as I've done the 10 mile run. Because again, I just, I don't sweat. Now I will say in the summer when we were training, I was sweating a lot more and I did have a water bottle with me, but it was more because, I mean, it was just so hot. It was just so, I would definitely still take a water bottle. Yeah, I just don't feel, again, it's the sloshing for me. It's the sloshing of the water in my belly. I know. And I wonder if anyone else experiences that. Maybe that's a question I can ask of Katie. And I, and, and I do think during the actual half marathon where it's an extra three miles, you know, I'm definitely going to take up, you know, the volunteers who are handing out the Gatorade and, but I don't know. I haven't been taking water with me. I know that they have those like camelback things that you can wear with a little straw. Yeah. If I was, if I was continuing to train, I would certainly invest in one of those, but I've thus far haven't needed to. And I've still, and I've felt my, I will say, I, I like to use my, my urine as a test to see how well hydrated I am. And it's, it's generally not really, really yellow. It's, you know, neutral. Okay. <laughs> and I really do truly think that's a good way to sort of yeah. gauge how well hydrated you are. Like when I go to the bathroom at night and it's super yellow, I think I kind of did a poor job hydrating myself today. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. I Small amounts, at least. I, I want to say I, I like you need eight ounces every 15 minutes of high intensity exercise. I mean, it's like a lot that you're supposed to drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Something along <laughs> that's those probably lines. right. And this is also where Katie, uh, Katie is not a dietitian. I will say that, but she uh, does have a lot of good knowledge about that stuff. Like, you know, hi- nourishing and hi- and hydrating. So if anyone's ever interested, but yeah, I should have looked that up. I just, um, again, I am not a huge sweater, so I don't, I don't overthink the hydration part of it, but it is obviously super important. Uh, but I think especially if you were doing something like a, like a marathon, uh, you know, obviously any run you'll, you'll want to hydrate, but I just, I don't know. I don't think a whole lot about that. Yeah. I, I yeah. should, but yeah, I look at my, I, I, if you want to know whether you're, you're hydrated, look at your pee. It is the best indicator of hydration. Same with your kids. I look at my kids pee a lot to see how well hydrated they are. <laughs> yeah. I was actually really proud the other day we went to the doctor and I had Cameron pee and Cameron had to pee in a cup and his, his pee looked like water. Wow. <laughs> he is very well hydrated, which is why he pees all the time. I mean, he's constantly drinking, which is actually why I asked him to test his pee. I was, I, I start sometimes thinking, what if he has diabetes? I know that's ridiculous, but he literally drinks and pees. It's like he lives to drink and pee. And so I'm just like, you know what? Just give it a whirl. I'll give it a test. And his yeah. pee was just, I mean, it was literally clear. Um, so he's, he's very well hydrated. So that's a really good way to, to know. All right. Nicole, when you trained for your marathon, do you remember anything else that you did that I haven't mentioned? And I know we just sort of just a little bit talked about that, but, and also would you do a marathon again? Nutritionally, nothing to add other than I need a lot more water than you. And I think small sips is probably, if I were to gulp, 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 I would have trouble running after that as well. Um, And then I think cold water is what gives you side side stitches more. So more, um, Yeah. During races, they never give you cold water. It's always room temperature or like warm if it's hot. I'm always like, oh, give me cold water. It's so much more refreshing. Um, But anyway, just a little bit of just FYI there. 
I would just add that marathon training, half marathon training, any type of endurance training, it's a huge commitment. And in order to have a successful race day, putting in the work ahead of time in whatever fashion that is going to meet your goals come race day is still a commitment. Uh, for me, being regimented and using that Hal Higdon training when I when I was running, it was it was great for me, and I loved the structure and being basically just like told what to do. I'm probably the exact opposite of you in that way, Gina, but that kind of aligns with our personalities, <laughs> I would say. Um, and when I wasn't prepared, I missed those longer runs. Um, I definitely felt it as I crossed the finish line to the tune of when I finished my second marathon. I remember just as vividly as I do the time of my first marathon and of that quarter marathon, how how quick I ran. I repeated to myself as I crossed the finish line, never again, never, ever, ever again, no matter how good of an idea you think this is at some point in your future, never, ever again. And I remember that as clearly as anything else. And it wasn't to say that I regretted doing it, but I just knew what a commitment it was and that at that point. See, at that season in my life. And honestly, since that time, I just I haven't been in a position to to do that. Um, so if you're going to do it, do it right, I guess is, is my point. Um, that said, I do think that finishing a distance race or an endurance event is a fully like emotional and almost spiritual event. I know that sounds super lame and I am not that like crunchy hippie person to say something like that. But I just remember like tears of gratitude and just kind of that choking up of almost just gratitude for a body that can accomplish something so difficult and just masses of people all around me who have trained so hard and overcome injuries and adversity and whatever else to be there. Um, I was just so inspired, the different ages and shapes and sizes of of all the participants. It, it's truly amazing. And that's actually what got me into distance running and endurance events was volunteering at the Chicago Half Marathon when I ran cross country in high school. And I was not a competitive runner in high school, but I ended up quitting. That sounds bad. I ended up switching gears because you could not run events like the Chicago. You couldn't run events, larger events if you were um, doing high school events. I don't know if that was like an Illinois sport thing or whatever, hmm. but in order to do the Chicago half, my senior year, possibly even my junior year, I could no longer run cross country. Uh, so I had kind of fully switched gears and was all in for distance running. But now I am retired um, <laughs> and I would consider a half um, at this point in my life. But with a complete shift in with a goal of finishing versus competing, like I've I've competed at a really high level. And again, looking back, I don't think I knew in the moment like how competitive I was as a runner. Uh, but I've just made that huge mental shift from performance to like more enjoyment and good health. And um, as somebody who's typically nursing a sports or an exercise related injury, I think that that's probably the safest and wisest place for me to be. <laughs> So do you know, I know you haven't, haven't completed the race yet. When is it, by the way? Well, it is October 16th. I was going to say, if everyone wants to mentally cheer me on and Nick, I guess. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's the at October 16th. That's a Sunday uh, at 730. Yes. Okay. All right. mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, go would ahead. You, would you consider another one or you want to see how this goes? I would consider another half marathon. I will never do a full marathon. It's not for me. I honestly don't think our bodies are meant to run that long. I truly believe that. Uh, I think 13 is my max and I will I will certainly consider doing it again, but never anything more. This is this is good enough for me. I but like you said, Nick and I both said like our goal is to finish. We don't necessarily have a certain time goal in mind. I just feel I just want to finish and cross the line with him and accomplish this with him and I think we'll both feel really, really good doing that. So yeah. I think the biggest, and this is something else I remember vividly as well. Maybe it's my short-term memory that's going because my long-term seems okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I just remember the moment of hitting like register and it was like, okay, this is happening like for my first half. And then suddenly all the pieces started to, to you know, put in, put into place. Like, okay, I need a training schedule. I need this. And for me, I, I guess if you're listening and you're thinking, 
oh, that I could never do that, but I'd be interested. I, I don't know if you're like at all, if this is at all a question mark for you, I would strongly encourage you to just take the plunge. Um, find an event, sign up, have your mental like after that of like, what did I just do? Find a training plan, stick to it and just try it out and see how it goes. I can almost guarantee that you won't regret doing it. It's just a really powerful experience to do something like a distance race. And I truly think that I'm like a better person for having done it. I know that sounds super lame, but it's just, it's very, it's just, it, it's moving. I don't know how else to explain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you, when you, mm, I really like giving myself a goal and then seeing myself accomplish it. And I feel like there's so few things like that at this point in our life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why this has been so not necessarily fun, but, um, well, yeah, I know it has been fun. It's been a really, truly meaningful experience, I think, for both of us. And we haven't accomplished it yet. But because this, there's there's so few things in life like that anymore. You know, growing up, there's always you you make a goal, you accomplish it. You make a goal, you accomplish it. And there's just so few things. And like the last big thing I did was have a baby. My goal was to give birth, uh, you know, breastfeed for a year. And, you know, not to say that if I didn't do that, I was going to be a failure, but those were my big accomplishments that and afterwards I pat myself on the back and I move on. And it's like, since then, what have I really done? So this is, has been really good for me in, in that regard. And I think, I think Nick would agree with that as well, but I do agree. I think and if you're considering an endurance training for a, a, some, of some type, reach out to Katie Weon. She is just a wealth of knowledge and just the kindest person I know and would be a great virtual endurance, endurance coach for you. Again, she is certainly haze or health at every size aligned and I know that she would just be a wealth of knowledge uh, for you as you uh, sort of embark on your new endurance goal out there if you're interested. And like I said, October 16th, Nick and I will be running our race. So cheer us on virtually, mentally, however you want to do that. All right, Nicole, mom wins our favorite new products. Fitting for today's show, it is a Lululemon sports bra knockoff for under $20 on Amazon. It's from Running Girl Strappy Sports Bra, and I will link that in the show notes, but my girls, they stay in place. It's super cute in the back. Um, I am not a cutoff shirt wearer or like a empty back wearer or whatever cute stuff is going on in fashion these days, but I wear a sports bra to work every day because I, yeah, under my scrubs, I'm real sexy. So I wear one of these almost every day. Love them. And the cups, I know I said this about the last bras because this is not the first sports bra I've uh, touted on the the pod, but I I would say this, this is a high quality situation going on. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's something else I have going for me is that I have such small breasts that like I, the only problem I have with sports bras is sometimes when they get too tight <laughs> and I hate that when I put a sports bra on and then go to Orange Theory, for example, and realize, oh, this is the one I should have thrown out like a year ago because it's just getting too tight and I can barely breathe. Well, good thing you don't sweat because I mean, wrangling yourself out of that after it's completely soaked with sweat is, I mean, that's a chore. Okay. I do sweat at Orange Theory. I definitely sweat. I think when I'm running outside, what prevents me from sweating? And here's the thing. I think I actually do sweat when I'm running. It takes like mile six, I'll start to sweat. But the wind, you know, that's going against my face sort of dries it off. So I think in reality, I sweat more. But when I'm at Orange Theory, I definitely sweat. And I have the the fan, you know, right on me. But you also, I feel like pump up the heat in there. They do something. Something's not right. But anyway, I sweat. All right. California Cobb salad made this for our family a few weeks ago. It was a huge hit. So essentially it's just romaine lettuce or whatever lettuce you want to use, hard boiled eggs, bacon, blue cheese, chicken, avocado. If you want to add croutons, you can. And then a dressing of your choice. So, so good. Oh, and tomatoes. Uh, and, and I, we actually made it sort of as a build your own. So we had all those, um, decomposed, deconstructed piece, deconstructed pieces of the Cobb salad out on our table and then let the kids kind of put it together as they wanted. Huge hit. So yeah, I would, I would suggest making that one. We got a review. This is from PDSRDN, which I'm assuming stands for PEDS or pediatric dietitian. Not really sure, but anyway, love, love, love as a, oh, (laughs) as a fellow pediatric dietitian. There we go. Mm -hmm. I love this podcast. It's informative, but also lighthearted. 
one of the favorite parts of my Sundays. And I enjoy uh, when they catch up at the beginning. It makes me feel like we are all best friends. I hope she doesn't edit that after talking about pinworms today. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Except for when they talk about pinworms when I'm eating my lunch. (laughs) Totally kidding. (laughs) Remember when our moms complained about the beginning of our podcast? Can't you just get to the topic? (laughs) We never asked you, moms. Yeah. We don't need your opinions. All right. Well, coming up on October 9th, we will be dishing about all of our previous jobs. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. Check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. And if you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right, everyone. Until next time, be well. Nicole, talk to you soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.